I call this This Is Jesus because he is about freedom. He desires you to be free. Today, your bondage may not be sex trafficking. It may not be anything like that. But I guarantee you there's people in this room in bondage. Why do you know that, J.O.? Because you're a prophet? No, because I'm human and because you're human. And I've worked with people in ministry for 30, over 31 years. In 1886, there was a beautiful statue dedicated to liberty, Miss Liberty. Radine and I were in New York City ministering years ago, and though I didn't walk right up to the Statue of Liberty, I saw her from the distance, and I love what she represents. She represents liberty and freedom, and on her, it says this, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. God desires you and I to breathe free. He desires us to walk in absolute freedom. And I want to talk about that just for a few minutes because though I love what Lady Liberty represents, how many know that a statue really honestly is not going to set you free? It represents freedom, represents liberty, but she really won't set you free. There's many, many people who have crossed our seas and, and borders to come into the USA, and they get into the USA, and still they are in bondage because why? There's one who sets us free. You probably know him, and if you don't, his name is Jesus, and his truths, knowing, knowing his truths, not just reading them, not just singing them, but knowing the truths of God, knowing down in your hearts and guts is what sets people free. And from the very get-go, God has desired freedom for his people. It says in Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may go, go with me, church. Freely eat. It's in the heart of the Father for his sons and daughters for you and I to be free. And it didn't take us long at all to jack that up. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve that jacked it up. You jacked it up. I jacked it up. We've all jacked it up because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then... There's God's people in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. Slaves. What does God do? He hears their cry and he comes and he sends a deliverer. Let me read Exodus 3, 7. It says, and the Lord said, I surely have seen the oppression of my people. I want to let you know today, whatever you're faced with, God has seen it. Whatever you've cried, God has heard. And he goes on to say, oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I love that word know because it's yada in the Hebrew, and it means he intimately. He intimately knows what you and I are faced with and what we go through. And it goes on to say, and I'm coming down, and he did, and he raised up a great deliverer. And it was really cool because this great deliverer, 
Man, he was a vagabond and a murderer and a fugitive, and he was pulled out of a river. And man, am I Egyptian? Am I slave? Am I rich? Am I poor? God uses people that way, and that's who Moses was. And God raises Moses up. Moses had his own stuff. He's on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And then at the right time, God calls him. Guess what he does? He sends him to the king. You know the story. You saw the Ten Commandments or, you know, one of those movies. Uh, Hopefully you've read it out of the Bible, right? And he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. Can somebody say freedom? Freedom Freedom was way before Braveheart and Mel Gibson. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Let my people go. It's in, you need to know this today, whatever you're faced with. J.R., you're assuming people in this room are in bondage. Yes, I am. Because I deal with too many people. And God has a plan for your life. You're called for more than you're living right now. He wants you to be free. I will say this, as I was studying and putting the sermon together, I felt quickened. You didn't get in bondage alone, and you won't get out of bondage alone. All of a sudden, you just didn't do it alone, and all of a sudden, you're not going to get out of it alone. And there's ministries, and there's people, and there's loving other saints and sons and daughters who's been there, done that, that are here to help you find freedom. We have many areas that people can do that from our small groups to heart recovery and to even the ministries that we're going to be talking about today, at least one of them locally because the other one is, uh, well, in Indonesia, unless you want to go there. That's a good little flight. 400 years they were in slavery. God sends a man, Moses, and guess who, what what he was. He was the greatest deliverer of all time until Jesus God steps out of heaven in the form of a man. And now it's on the Sabbath day and Jesus is to read and he reads a very specific passage and it was about him and all that Jesus came to do. Can somebody say freedom? If you read between the lines on this, all you'll hear is freedom, freedom, freedom of what Jesus has for his people. Now think about this. It's Jesus' hometown In his church, how many know that Jesus went to church? Jesus went to church regularly. For those who've gotten out of the practice of going to church since COVID, I got to encourage you, you should come back. Because Jesus went to church regularly. And now he's in church, in his hometown, and he begins to read, and look what he reads. Luke 4, 16 through 17. So he came to Nazareth. How many know that he was Jesus of Nazareth? where he had been brought up, and as his custom, say that with me, his custom, he was a churchgoer, was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had uh, opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and look what it says, it's beautiful. You've, You've probably heard this before, but I want you to hear it today, why Jesus came. He He came so that you and I could walk in freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He wants to see the poor free. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. We said with me, liberty. liberty. To who? The captives, those in bondage. All people who are in bondage, you can't always see their jail cells. So many people have invisible chains and invisible cells that they live in, but nevertheless, they're in it, usually right here between their ears. And recovery to the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus comes to bring good news to the poor. He brings liberty to those in captive. He brings healing for those in bondage. He brings freedom to those who are blind. He brings liberty to those who are oppressed by the oppressor. Then you see Paul, he writes, and guess where Paul is? He's in jail. God can use jail for some wonderful things. He did with Paul's life. And it says this in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Can you even smile at that? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. For freedom's sake, for freedom's sake, Jesus has set us free. You're free to be free. You're free to be free. And it's amazing how many people who are sons and daughters believers who aren't walking in freedom. And I'm not talking about freedom to live like hell. I'm not talking about freedom without boundaries and restrictions. I have boundaries in my life. Boundaries and restrictions are very, very healthy. Like I'm restricted to live on earth. I don't just live in outer space or in the air. Now I might fly to New York or somewhere, but it's only for a certain amount of time. I'm not free to live underwater. I have restrictions in my boundaries and freedom. I don't live any way that I want to according to the flesh. How many of you know that boundaries are a very good thing? Saints in this room probably have addiction problems. Saints in this room probably had problems with relationships. You know what that's called? Codependency. Bound to fear, poverty mentality, wrong thinking. We just came out of a series winning the war of what? It's very, very real. There's people in this room probably bound to the area of sex. There's probably people in this room that's got problems due to Trauma in the past where the enemy sniffs it out like a shark, sniffing out blood. There's bondage in this room due to sin. But there is a, one who comes to bring freedom today. And I really want you to be open to him. Really want you to be honest with yourself and to be open to be set free. Romans 6.1 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Say this word with me, continue. continue. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I make mistakes all the time. But I'm talking about you choose to continue to live in sin. Shall we continue? Shall we adhere to sin? Shall we? There needs to be a resistance. Say that with me, resistance. Resist the enemy and he must believe. 
must flee. There, is a, there should be a resistance in us when it comes to sin. And if there's not, you should really begin to seek God on that resistance. There were 613 laws that, that was in the Old Testament, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes and they send a letter to the Gentiles. Hey, you'll do good if you can just kind of do this right here. Abstain from things polluted by idols, sexual immorality. Ooh, that's a big one in America. Uh, strangled and from blood. And it's like these four things and people still have a problem. Not 613 things anymore before. And of course the Ten Commandments. So I want to invite to the stage right now a sister that Radian and I got to speak with last Saturday, a week from yesterday, on the phone, someone uh, that God has absolutely brought out of bondage, got a wonderful testimony. Would you put your hands together for C.J. Curtis today? Thank you. Thank you, CJ, for being with us today. Jason, is hubby here? Yeah, I love yes, you, bro. Sir. Said it last night. I'll say it again. I'll say it next service. I like Jason. like him a lot. Love him. He rides a Harley. <laughs> I like Harley riders a lot. I like fast and loud and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> CJ here, uh, after talking to her on the phone, Radine and I, last Saturday, uh, just was really touched by her life and she sent us like an excerpt of her life that's going to be in a book and we read that and it was like whoa what she's been through and, and uh, I, I'm so thankful your bravery and your willingness to come um, and uh, may I just ask you a few questions today? Yeah for okay. sure. Mm -hmm. So what was the age that you found yourself um, in sex slavery, in, mm -hmm. in, in human trafficking? Yeah, I was actually 13 when I was, uh, you know, taken from my home, in a sense. Uh, but I think it, it definitely started well before that, um, just my um, grooming into that life between the dysfunction in my family and at home. Uh, I was exposed to so much, so much, and so much more than any child should be have to be exposed to. And so it really primed me for um, this time in my life when I was kind of a rebel, kind of a quiet kid, <clears throat> and, uh, but definitely a rebel. And so when my dad decided to move me away from all my friends in Spokane over to Seattle, I was angry. And um, it wasn't long before <clears throat> this guy, this pimp, spotted me outside um, of our hotel room and struck up a conversation with me. And um, over, the, over the next couple weeks, just figured out what I was into and what I um, was interested in. And at the time, we were, you know, pretty poor family. And um, I really liked to party, and I liked pot and all that. And so it wasn't hard for him to entice me with these things and his fa flashy jewelry and all that. And so um, I made the decision to run away from my family, and uh, that's when um, I was introduced to that industry. So, mm. so you, you actually wasn't kidnapped. You were kind of drawn to this guy and groomed, and mm -hmm. you chose to 
pursue that. Yeah. Where, where did where did you where did he take you to? He took you out of Seattle. Where where did you guys go? Yeah. So um, from Seattle, I hopped in his van and packed up a little suitcase. Hopped in his van and there was this other lady with him, and I was a little confused by that because um, I thought you know I was running away with my Romeo, right? <laughs> He's the guy. Uh, yeah. And so um, right away, I was a little caught off guard having to sit in the back seat. And then they proceeded to, you know, after we got a little ways out, proceeded to tell me what would be happening when we arrived in, in California. And I, um, like I said, I held a lot of things in. I was always like a stuffer. And so I didn't say anything, but inside I was freaking out. I, uh, and I didn't know how to react. I just kind of went along with it, but definitely was very scared and um, intimidated by mm-hmm. by these guys. And so, um, yeah. So once we got down to California, we were in Oakland, straight projects, and um, we stayed with his family. And um, it wasn't long. We we went shopping right away. So I got to go shopping. But I definitely didn't get to pick out my clothes, um, you know, and uh, he put me on the streets right away, gave me some rules and put me out there. And uh, 13 years old on uh, International Boulevard in the corner. And so it uh, and sadly, it was wasn't within five minutes. I had a car stop. So um, uh, Scotty was his name, uh, my pimp, and he um was very abusive. He, um, you know, would hit me in the legs, give me ice baths if I disobeyed or did something wrong. And so it was a very um, sick and twisted relationship, but I, but I still had this, you know, weird bond with him. Um, and so thought I loved him. And so um, when, when he let, he ended up leaving me with his family to go do something up in Seattle and um, probably get another girl or something, I imagine. Um, he, I was afraid he wasn't going to come back, and I was left with his nieces, and they were just raw. They were, they were worse than him there. Um, and so I uh, had found this opportunity to, to leave, and so I decided to run away from them and uh, was able to get a bus ticket back up to Spokane. Wow. So it was several months that I was gone. My family thought I was dead. My mom nearly killed herself looking for me, hanging up flyers. Mm. Sound like a life, honestly, of total evil yeah. and manipulation. It's very dark. Very dark. Really mess with your, your mind mm-hmm. and bound in fear. I can't even imagine. Uh, we were at staff this week, and I asked, uh, knowing that uh, talking to her and reading her excerpt in this book, knowing that this began when she was 13 years old, I asked our, our staff, does, does any of you have kids 13 or know any kids at 13? They raised their hand. And it's just uh, when I saw one of our staff raise their hand and know their daughter, I was like, that is really young and very little. What ages does it typically do, do like? pimps begin looking for young ladies. I, I ask these questions so that parents are aware of it and people online are aware of it, and even young people here that you become very, very aware of it, um, wise yeah. to, to this. Um, 12 to 14, I've heard different statistics, uh, 
but, you know, very impressionable age, you know, very emotionally just, you know, not developed at all, and um, a lot of angst and stuff at that age, and so it's, and, and you know, um, the vulnerability and plays a big, a big factor in it, um, but yeah, it's. What was it like when you ran away? How did you get back from, from Oakland to Seattle? Did you? Yeah, it, uh, it was actually, I, uh, I was, uh, I ended up, ha- I went to work one night and um, was able to call a regular client that I would see. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got me a bus ticket, explained the situation, said I want to go home. And he got me a ticket mm-hmm. and I came back home on the bus. If I ask you anything and you don't feel comfortable sharing, just tell me. Oh, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. What was it like when you got back to Seattle and now you're re-engaged with your family and you've been through this very, very evil, traumatic situation in your life? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really hard. I, I kind of still being, you know, very young, just felt like I was a lot more mature and grown. And like, so I was even more of a rebel and more of a, like, you can't tell me what to do type attitude that I had because I had been through all this stuff right but I was also very traumatized very broken and um uh ended up turning to discovered meth so started um I think to cover that that trauma and that pain I found something to numb that and um fell quickly into that uh life and be gone for weeks at a time um at that point my father like my dad and I were very estranged because I had ran away from him and I went back to my mom in Spokane and so my mom um just was did whatever she could at that point you know try to put me in rehab and the you know um so the Becca Bill or just different things and she ended up finding a, a cool little program down in Florida actually that um I was able to get into as like a four month program and I think a lot of healing took place at that at that um, spot. I and you know I was able to talk to a counselor a little bit. I don't remember the exact details. I do remember going over the guard like they had like a rose garden there and some really cool um, mentors and uh, people that worked there. And so that made a big impression on me. But um, so I was able to stop using drugs for uh, that time, and I came back up to Spokane, got back into high school. Um, still looking for love in all the wrong places type situation. So I got pregnant and had uh, my son my senior year. And so after I had him, graduation, seen everybody party around me, I, uh, I ended up relapsing and uh, doing meth again and just falling deeper and harder uh, than before and um, pretty quickly lost control. Uh, and... Um, my mom, I ended up uh, leaving my son with my mom. She was able to take care of him, thank God. But, um, yeah, I literally was down in the clothes on my back, walking the streets. Like, it was, and just really using what I learned in California and that life, pretty much got back into the life on my own, not necessarily being controlled, but um, still back in that world. Mm-hmm. Last night, I, I read it, but you also mentioned it, that... You, it, it reminded me of like a cowboy giving you know one of the cows a, a marking that you got a tattoo because of it was like 
your John's marking brand from the pimp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he uh, took me, so we we stayed in Oakland and he took me down to LA and, um, ended up branding me. So I had a tattoo with his name on it, um, since then covered. So that's nice. But, um, but yeah, that was definitely one thing that he did and, and a lot of pimps do in that world, um, in America. So they brand you. Do you mind to tell us a little bit of your journey to freedom? Yes. Because this is this is <laughs> this is what this is all about yeah, today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's important for people to know people's stories so that they they realize the beauty of the freedom. Yeah. You know? But yeah. talk to us about your journey. Oh man, definitely uh, my favorite part of the story. Um, I was, like I said, on the streets, clothes on my back, literally nothing, and um, ended up crying out to God. I was, I remember I was on the Maple Street Bridge, and at that point, I had, you know, definitely, um, God's hand was all over my story and my life, my grandma, between my grandma taking me to church, I never really followed God. I, I was probably one of the kids that raised their hands a few times in that period, but, um, definitely not following God. And so when I cried out, I was just so lost. And I just remember just screaming like, like, God, if you're real, like something has to give, like something has to happen. I can't live like this. And, um, he's so good. And a couple days later, or however long later, very shortly after I ended up in jail and, um, (laughs) picked up the, the new Testament and um, just began reading, and Jesus showed up um, in a big way through through His Word, and um, through the sweet ministers that would come in, and uh, a couple ministries sharing their testimonies uh, from different churches and things, and just uh, yeah, really, really rocked my world. I, I I felt like I had a second chance right. at life, so I finally he's, took it. He's close to the brokenhearted. Yeah, very. Even much. when you're running and rebel, he he loves to use rebels, doesn't he? Oh yeah. He'll take a rebel and <laughs> change their heart, and they become a, a great leader. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah. So, getting out of jail, I de- I had Jesus in my heart. I know I was I was all on fire, but still didn't really have a community or didn't know what to do with that. And so, you know, try to get people to go to church with me and just kind of like living like with Jesus, but not knowing how to. And so, um, it wasn't until I met my husband and he mentioned his daughter's going to Christian school. So I'm like, Oh, another Christian. So that was, that was enough uh, for you. Like, Hey, yeah, like, hey <laughs> will you go to church with me? <laughs> and so, uh, we've been together ever since we, um, got involved into a church family out in uh, the Valley and we we were there for many years and it was, it is a beautiful family and um, really just got to start our walk together and going to church, consistently serving. And that's really where the transformation began in my life. How long have you and Jason been married? 15 years. 15 yep, we just celebrated our 15. <laughs> that's awesome, Jason. So cool. So cool. Thank you for your bravery today so wonderful to I love testimonies yeah. they overcame by the blood of the lamb yeah. and the word yeah. of the testimony not loving their life even under death to me that's that's the fear factor of like not being bound in fear but to share your story because I mentioned it last night 
It's not easy sharing your story because of the shame and everything that you've been through. But I can tell when people do this, they get more freer and freer and and healed and healed. Absolutely, every time. So it wasn't several years into my walk with God. It, uh, you know, I I was free from drugs and my recovery and um, in that way, but I had never really opened up about that time in my life. I was very, and then we use that shame and um, those lies and like, I always chalk that time up to my, in my life is like I was, you know, young and rebellious and I ran away and it was just like me, me, me. I did all this. And so um, God in his providence um, and I guess it was just his time too, the right timing just started really stirring in my heart to share my story. And um, I had already shared my story and, and, but I didn't realize until a friend of mine gave me um, this book is called Walking Pray, P-R-E-Y. Walking Pray. And um, I started to read that, and it was literally my story. It was this 13-year-old girl who was, you know, to, introduced to the sex industry, and it was just, like, my story. And I was, it really opened that time of life, my life back up, and I, you know, started remembering things, and I realized that was the part, and just getting to the end of the book, it's really good, she lists a lot of, like, statistics and different things that go on in America and the, in the sex industry, and so I, um, I, uh, just knew, like, I couldn't not do anything, I had to, I had to share my story, I had no idea when or how or what, like, I'm just, you know, and so God in his providence, he, uh, you know, there, at the same time, there was this concert going on that I just knew I had to be at. The Holy Spirit was just, like, really strong. Like, you have to be there. So um, I ended up going, and that's when Caleb got up and started sharing about HRC and um, the safe house um, for women coming out of sex trafficking. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's where I need to share my story. And so um, it was really cool. Uh, moment, and I was able to go and introduce myself to Caleb and um, share my story for pretty much the first time with actually with his parents. I met up with, I fought it for a minute. I was like, oh, I don't know. And, you know, and he really tries, tried to keep me from that. But I did end up sitting down with Randy and Shelly, and they're so sweet, and um, shared my whole story with them and the amount of freedom just realizing that I was a victim. I was 13. Like, I can't believe I never really connected that. I was so young, um, taken by this guy more than twice my age, you know, down to California. I didn't realize that I was actually a victim of of sex trafficking until I read this book and, you know, and the amount of healing that came from that and that first time that I shared. I just encourage anybody to, to just, just, share your story or just even if it's just one person just go and um and share because that that shame is a real thing and i think that the enemy uses that when you keep it when you keep it in and those secrets so right uh she owns a, a coffee shop over in spokane valley called the garden that i told her this morning i says i really want to take my wife on a date to the garden but you should check it out. She was telling me that even some of the things that they sell and what have you goes toward uh, HRC. Yeah, and yeah. So. so I've been sharing my story with HRC ever since, and and it's been a passion of mine to you know partner with them in any way possible. So um, 
Jason and I opened up a cafe a couple years ago, and, and That's awesome. yeah, a portion of our sales goes directly to HRC, and and it's also a big part of our mission at the at the cafe. To you guys allow Harleys? Oh yeah, big time. Bring them all. Bring them over. I'll ride mine too. <laughs> uh, just in closing, why would you encourage people to give toward these two ministries? Yeah, I um, like I said, I've been working with HRC for several years, and I've been able to come alongside of these women and mentor them and do activities with them. We get to go do fun things. And um, and it's just so powerful to be able to speak into their lives and just, you know, that they just see them realize that there's so much more than their, you know, it's their gifts and their unique, just beautiful gifts go so far beyond their physic, the physical and to be able to be a part of that and to see the transformation in them, um, I would say they're, they're, they're definitely the reason why I would encourage anybody to partner with HRC and other ministries uh, like this just to be a part of that transformation for other women like me. So, Great job. Can we put our hands together to thank 